Oh, gosh, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Man, it's I can't believe how long it's been since I've had Barry Habib on the Modeling Podcast, but we're back. We're bringing him back. And uh, last time, if you guys remember, we were like just announcing the kickoff of his book. In fact, for a lot of you that shared the podcast that day, you just got that book shipped to you because the book just launched. So we're going to talk about the market. We're going to talk about the book, but we're going to talk about also what Barry's bringing to market in terms of this next generation education platform. So without further ado, let's bring on Barry Habib. All right, brother, dude. Let's rock and roll, man. It's good to see you. It's really good to see you, buddy. Man, I, I swear, I, I can't believe from the last podcast we did, so much has transpired. Like, we, your book's out, which is incredible. Like, congratulations. I think it was number one bestseller on Amazon. Hit number one bestseller on Amazon, which, you know, I, I was like, wow, really just so grateful. You know so what, great. Barry, you, you absolutely deserve it. I was talking to a buddy you know, do you know Neil Dingra? Um, yeah. I was talking to him yesterday on his podcast, and you came up after the conversation. And one of the things that we both agreed with, which I think everyone that listens and knows you agree with, which you just you just deserve it, dude. You're a great, kind, giving person, and you deserve to have like the world be like, yay, for a minute on your. I mean, it's awesome, man. And I loved reading it too early, so I, I got I got the early copy, so I, I beat everybody to it. Thanks, brother. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. There's a lot going on, you know. So. Uh, what a year this has been. We're really lucky we're in this industry, right? I mean, we're so blessed and have to be so grateful for it uh, because um, a lot of good things are happening to people. People are, are making lots of money. People are helping lots of clients. It's it's a lot of good things that's going on right now. Well, Megan's saying congratulations as well. And if you guys are watching with us now, hit us up where you're watching from. We love to hear what's going on. If you're taking a moment out of your day to hang out with Barry and I, just give Barry some love, say hi. Um, but before we go into the CMA program that you just launched, which is another incredible thing. I really want to spend some time on that today because um, you've always been, you know, I think a core value of yours has been to invest in originators, invest in, in pushing people forward, calling them to their best standard. Um, yeah, there's Ryan. What's up, dude? Nice to see you, brother. Another rock star. He is a rock star. Megan and Ryan, two big rock stars in our industry. Seriously. Oh, I appreciate the catch on the on the sea. Don't worry, man. My whole life, it's been Alex. So don't stress, dude. It's, it's all good. <laughs> Um, all right, dude. So let's talk about the market for a second because it's just so wild. It moves so fast. Um, I'd love to hear uh, where you're viewing this industry going. Give every, I mean, everyone's always desperate for that, right? Because there's so much. We, we, had the, we had the debate last night, which was actually different than the first one, thank God. But you know, just share your thoughts on, on what's going on with our world, the rates, the future. Um, everyone loves to hear that from you, Barry. All right. So let's, we'll try and go through this quick. There's a lot to unpack. So First of all, let me tell you what what a um, what an absolute privilege it is here to be with you, and uh, a lot of a lot of nice comments coming in. So thanks, guys. I see them coming on. Uh, first, let's start with interest rates. So we have been talking about the fact that we saw this little bump in rates coming, and that's because people are adapting. We're seeing parking lots getting more crowded, roads getting more trafficy. So we're seeing people adapt, but yet there's about 20 million more people than normally receiving some type of unemployment benefit. You can't blame them, okay? It's nicer to be home. Maybe they've got childcare to worry about. Maybe they're afraid of COVID. And a lot of the jobs that people are staying at home for, they're not like fun jobs to do in many cases, right? So you can't blame people. 
And you know, you've got nine months worth of benefits you can get. So we're seeing a lag in supply, economics 101, supply and demand. When you've got more demand, then you have supply prices go up. And that means a little bit of inflation. Inflation is the arch enemy of bonds, as I always say. And what it does is it robs the fixed payment return because things start to cost more. You're getting a fixed payment by receiving mortgage payments if you're the recipient of a bond. But meanwhile, things are going up more, so your dollar doesn't go as far. So if you see inflation is accelerating, the only cure for that is to increase interest rates to compensate you for that additional inflation or that more rapid erosion. So we're starting to see some of that. And there's another, there's a couple of other things that we have for headline risk. But we got a, we got a budget deal, a stimulus deal, forgive me, yeah, a stimulus yeah. deal. That would be something that stocks would like, the bond market probably wouldn't like that. So there's some headline risk there. There's also some really good things to root for that wouldn't be great for interest rates. One, a vaccine. Now, in mid-November, Moderna, who's been the leader on vaccine, they're going to have phase three clinical trial interim results. Now, phase three means it's in human beings, and phase three is on a massive scale. So you get really good sample sizes, not little sample size. This is really, really well done sample sizes. If we get the results that we think we're going to get, which would be pretty favorable, showing both safety and efficacy, you will more than likely see stocks like that, and bonds will not like that. Okay, so... These are things that we have to understand as headline risk. And these are the things you should be talking to your customer about, right? Because they get their butt off the fence, get yes, into sir. application, save yourself money. And if you're in application, do not dilly-dally, get your darn stuff in. So these talks should be had. Now, yes. when, when we take a look, Alec, at what we see happening there is there's, in my opinion, a little more upside risk to interest rates because of headline over the short term. So these are things that would lead us to believe that we see a little bit of upside pressure. And why is it so important? Because right now, 70% of all loans, all mortgages in the United States, 70% of them, believe it or not, are underneath four and a half percent. And every day, as we do more refinances, bro, we're going to see that number grow. What is that significance? On average, it's different everywhere, but on average, about three quarters of a percent reduction in interest rate provides the incentive to want to move forward on a refinance. So that would mean that rates that we quote would have to be underneath three and three quarters. And if it's not underneath three and three quarters, if it hits three and three quarters or more, we lose maybe between 70 and 75% of the refinance business that we're seeing today. Now, while that could occur, I'm going to tell you that I think that that's going to be very much short-term driven because if we do get some good news, you know, Rendesivir was just approved for treatment. If you look at what President Trump received, if you look at what Chris Christie received, they received a cocktail from Eli Lilly that got them to bounce back really fast. Really and, fast. Uh, by the way, Trump, greater than 30 BMI, a little overweight. Trump also um, in his mid-70s. So yeah. these are two risk categories. Yeah. Big, yeah. Right? And, and then Alec, Chris Christie, I mean, guy is overweight. Okay. So these would typically be your risk categories, and they bounce back like Iron Man. It was, it's crazy. And if, if we are able to see a very good therapeutic treatment come to be and be widely available, then what I'm going to tell you is, is that the day that, God willing, it occurs in 2021, where we can now take masks off, where we can go out. You don't need a mask. No mask required. You feel okay because you either got a therapeutic that will knock it out or you've got a vaccine that'll protect you. And by the way, if you get it and then receive the therapeutic, it's as if you had the vaccine anyway, because now you have some level of immunity. So if we can get to a good state where we're taking masks off, 
Here's what happens. It starts to feel like 2019. In 2019, what were the circumstances? We, were, we, we had, had debt in our country. Yep. The debt level was $22 trillion. And you know, a trillion, we think trillion, uh, the, we get immune to it. But a trillion is a lot of money. Alec, if I said to you, hey, go out and spend a million bucks a day, how many days would it take you to get to a trillion? Uh, it's it's kind of crazy, but it would take you 2,700 years to get to one trillion, right? A trillion is a lot of money. Yeah. So you would have had to start 700 BC. So when we take a look at 22 trillion, that was enormous debt. Debt has to be serviced. We don't print money. We take out the debt and we have to make payments on it, which yep. leaves less money to drive economic activity. That slows economic growth. Most people do not understand this very important concept. Very smart people think that debt causes rates to go higher. But we know from history in the UK, in China, in Japan, in the Eurozone, and especially in the United States, the higher the debt level, the more downside pressure on yep. economic activity, which then pushes down inflationary pressures, which also causes interest rates to drop. So we have seen this, and that was at 22 trillion in 2019. We're at 27 trillion, and with a stimulus deal, we will be near 29 trillion. Yeah. We didn't think we'd hit this level till 2030. So we're gonna hit it in 2020. What this tells us is that we're in a position that when the masks come off, you'll probably see interest rates go back to some of the lowest levels we've seen. I don't know if it'll be the all-time lowest or close to it, but we will be in a really good refinance environment. So when, you know, when, when groups are coming out saying they think that refinances in 2021 will be cut in half, I disagree. Yeah, I was gonna say, right, right now, like that's the narrative, right? The narrative is refinances are going away, you know, buckle up, it's gonna be half, half next year, and wow. you're laying out the case saying, I disagree. I think it's gonna be vibrant because the other thing that should be contemplated is the enormous amount of equity in homes. And if you're smart as an originator and you understand debt consolidation, you will have an endless reservoir so long as there's equity, which there will be because that's the other aspect. Housing is gonna to continue to be extraordinarily hot. So these are all good things. By the way, so, I, wanna, I wanna hit that, that comment a little bit deeper, Barry, because it's so powerful. You know, Even if rates tickle a little bit up from where we are today, or they bump up and then they come back down, kind of how you're saying, you know, the, the reality is Americans like to get in debt. I, I mean, I'm just going to call it like I see it, right? Like they just they love debt. Right. If you're doing mortgages now, you understand this because you're looking at credit profiles all day long and you're seeing just debt, 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 high interest debt. And so you're right. If you can continue to position yourself as somebody who can solve for that debt, even if your mortgage rate goes up a little bit, I mean, you get a great example at one of our um, ranch rallies. I mean, almost a year and a half or two years ago, Barry, where you just showcased that one family who, you know, they went up in mortgage, but they went down like $1,500 in payment. Well, you know, there's many cases of that. Our subscribers tell us all the time. We have an amazing debt consolidation tool. It's the only one of its kind, but it really does do this. Uh, the housing market, by the way, is going to continue to be hot. Right now, we're seeing multiple bids. One of the things that we do, obviously, is we give you your own ABM so you don't get pixeled. And you know what that means better than anyone when you go to Zillow and, and, and get bombarded with their ads. So you want to keep people oh. off of Zillow's estimate. Use your own ABM. We give it to you in MBS Highway. And what we're, believe it or not, we're announcing today is the way that you can take that ABM, put it on your own individual website to drive traffic, gain leads. But then one step better, do it with your real estate agent and co-brand it with your realtor on their website. So now it looks like, like a dog marking their territory. You own that relationship and that realtor will drive all that traffic. You get all the leads. It's an incredible system and it's the only one of its kind. And by the way, we have a bid over ask system 
which will show the buyer why they need to bid more because what everybody wants to know is I don't want to pay full price. Yeah. So I want to pay not only full price, but more than full price. Yep. At what point in time will the appreciation specific to my zip code eclipse the amount yes. that I'm paying for that home? And for most cases, it's only a few months down the road. What we're seeing predominantly, somebody bids about $10,000 over. If they put the contract in in October, they close in December. First payment is February. By February, March, April, the home's already worth more. People are justifying it and they're just doing it. So it's, it's really good. And speaking of housing, I wanted to just touch on the debate, if that's okay, if we have time. Yeah, for no, that. let's do it. That's, I want to get into CMA, but this is like really relevant stuff. So I want, I want everyone to hear this because it's- So listen, we, we got to be careful here because you know, it, it looks like Joe Biden has, has a lead that's rather formidable. And you know, Frank Luntz, who's a great pollster, I know Frank, I, we used to go to Yankee games together, and Frank is pretty confident that Biden will win this election. Along with that win comes retention of the House, and more than likely, uh, the Democratic Party will be in control of the Senate. So what does this mean for us is that the tax plan, which I've read in depth, will likely be implemented in 2021. So if you're listening to this and you're in the mortgage industry, you know, it, it, it's not only for your customer's sake, but for your sake too, above 400,000, there is a significant increase in tax rate from currently 37% that would go up on the tax top tax level to 45%. So not only is that a big jump, but what also will happen is your employer will have to pay an extra 6.2% above 400,000. So this is a really interesting dynamic because employers may be incented to say, well, I don't want you to make more than 400 because now you're going to cost me a lot more money if you're doing that. So it's kind of a crazy dynamic there. What is more troublesome to me, though, however, is that the capital gains rate would go from its current level. Most people think it's 20 percent, but that Obama tax brings it to 23.8 percent. It would go up to 45 percent. So just round numbers, you're going to be paying somewhere in the neighborhood of 20, 21, 22 percent more. So think about this, the mind of a smart investor. OK, Biden won the election. If that happens, I could be wrong. But we don't want to count Trump out because people thought he was down in 2016. Sure. It could happen. So Biden wins the election. God, God bless. Let's wish him good, good wishes and, and pray for it all goes good. But if this tax plan, which looks like it would be implemented, is and I'm holding stocks that with stocks near all time highs, I probably have gains. What would happen to me in my thought process of saying, if I sell by the end of the year, yep. I make 22% more than if I waited till January 1st. Yep. I think that many smart people would say, let's realize those gains. Yeah. The problem with that, Alec, is that a lot of selling would cause asset prices to decline, the opposite of what the Fed's trying to do. And it may cause a small period of time where there's a lack of confidence because the wealth effect would be diminished. Yep. Now, from the interest rate standpoint, interestingly enough, if stocks do sell off due to this, yep. that money will likely gravitate to the bond market and we may get a period of time where interest rates decline. So there's a lot of play. It's like a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, I know. Deeply. Now, one thing we should know is that the scary part about this, and you know I love history. Yep. If you look back to the 1930s, under the Hoover, Hoover administration with Smoot-Hawley when you had taxes increase after the great, what was called the Great Recession then, yep. it turned it into the Great Depression by raising taxes. So let's just hope that people look at this and are careful and learn from historical events. Speaking of historical events, last point to cover, something that affects all of us. Now this sounds good on the surface. Under the Joe Biden plan, $15,000 tax credit to buy a home. 
That seems amazing, right? Okay. You know, I like history. You don't have to go back too far. Go back 10 years ago when we had the tax credit of $8,000. What it did was it took the housing market that was sinking and it seemed to cause prices to do well. The Case-Shiller, which is the gold standard for home prices, that index was at 144. We got the tax credit brought up to 147. Why? Because a lot more people who, by the way, would have been buying a few months later or a year later, they rushed to do it to get the tax credit. But that additional buying drove prices up. So they paid more for that home. So they lost some of the tax credit. But then after the tax credit expired, the period of time, April of 2010, what happened afterwards? You look at the housing market and it went like this. Why? Because all the people that would have been buying to support it were gone. They already bought at higher prices. So now you have this enormous void. And what happened was the median home price went from 144 to 147 where they purchased down to 133. So they lost more money than they got in the tax credit if they would have just waited. And I hope to goodness that this plan at least reviews what happened in 2010 so we don't repeat the same mistake because it'll be much worse now because yeah. the incentive's higher and you don't have any inventory. Yeah. And all these people will rush. It'll drive prices much, much higher, but then leave an enormous void afterwards and people are going to be so sorry and get caught holding the bag. It's something we need to think about. At least yeah. think it through. Yeah. Well, this is a great segue. And, and people are like, what do you mean, Alec? Because this is the kind of knowledge that, I, Barry, you pour into the community. And I know this is the kind of knowledge that you've packed into your certified mortgage advisor plan and program. And so, yeah. I, share, so I want you to share a little background about why you did this. Like why create, why spend all these hours, all this time building this platform? You know, share with everybody your thoughts there and, and let them hear the process you went through to create this and what it's designed to do. So thank you, brother. I, you know, I've been teaching on this type of a level, both with, through MBS Highway, when I created Mortgage Market Guy, when I created CNPS, yep. and to my clients as an originator, you know, on my spots in the media. So this is the type of stuff that I've been trying to teach and, and, and bring to the industry and bring the industry a greater level of financial literacy. Yeah, so the idea is to take what I've learned in the past 30 plus years and say, okay, if you want to sound like I do, if you want to be a media resource because you know all this stuff, if you want to be able to talk to your referral sources, if you want to fight the barrage of fintech where you're in a position that you really have to, in the first few minutes, show that customer how, how smart you are. If you want to be able to fight the iBuyer platforms or help your real estate agent and really use a lot of logic and kind of sound like I do, then we took those 35 years and now the challenge was how do we put it into something reasonable? You can't have it as a you know, a, a thousand hour course. Nobody's going to do that. Okay. So we chunked it down to eight hours, which means we don't cover everything, but we cover a lot. There's tests along the way. You don't have to sit all eight hours. It's 20 minute modules, but most people are binging on it. And people are like, say, I couldn't stop. I was in the business 25 years. If you look on social media, it's like people are saying it is, I would put it up against any four year degree or this and that. So many people that have gone through it are blown away by it. Because it's deep, but we explain it in a way that's easy. We filmed it where they filmed The Mandalorian. We filmed it at places that. Oh, I'm jealous already from that right there. Like, come on, dude. You feel like yeah. The Mandalorian. You, man, that's like, I'm so waiting for the end of October for The Mandalorian 2 to come out. That's yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. So, and, and where they film a lot of Netflix stuff. So it's great. You know, Megan, who's on, Megan uh, is one of the teachers and does an amazing job. Dan does an amazing job. Uh, we, we, we put together, I think, a curriculum that 
um, that people can really understand all the economic reports, understand the Fed. Where does mortgage money come from? How can you make better investments in stocks? The bond market, how does it work? And, you know, this is the type of thing where after learning this, when a financial advisor talks to you and tries to sell you on something, you'll know more than they will. And you'll be able to point out where they're wrong because they don't understand this stuff. There's so many things that are taught incorrectly in the mortgage industry. And by the way, you've been getting your butt kicked on APR because smart companies are using it to manipulate it and beat you. Well, now you'll turn the tables and never get screwed over again because of that. And there's so, so much more technical analysis, reading the charts. It's an amazing tool. Oh. And um, and I think Megan wants to put something. Uh, and thank you, Sean, for saying that. Megan wanted to put something out there for for uh, for you guys. BecomeCMA.com is where you can go. Uh, you can watch a short video. It's a promotional code we're going to give you guys today to save three hundred bucks. It's BH two BH for Barry Habib two. They'll save you three hundred bucks. I think that's something if you'd like to, you could use that there. All right. So like BH two, right? Mm -hmm. BecomeCMA.com. There's your code right there, brother. It is. Um, so uh, I got to hit something here, Barry, because it's so crucial and you made a great comment and I want everyone to hear it because there really is this separation happening in the industry. There, there's a threat from what you mentioned, FinTech. There's always been this pressure of best rate in the world and no consultation, no process, just here's your rate, here's your rate versus service experience, consultation, professionalism, et cetera. And there's been a tension and it's coming to a head because technology is advancing and I've been beating the drum on this forever that your success as a, as a local pro, as a mortgage professional in the future is literally based on two things. It's based on your ability to get attention from customers to, to, so that you can be at the table, so that you can be like, hey, I, I'm here. So Because there are people that are just getting killed by people going to online lenders like Quicken, and they're not even at the table. They're not even quoting. They don't even know what happened. And then once you're at the table, you got to show up like Barry Habib. Like You got to show up with knowledge and insight to let the customer know that this is a real like intense transaction and they need to be led by somebody who's a knowledgeable professional. And so I just want to make sure people hear that because this is how you win in the, in the future here, guys. So think about what, what we're just talking. You, you nailed it as you always do. And you're obviously a leader in our industry and in explaining to people the term that you coined being a web liberty and getting that notoriety. Right. So I love that. I love your book and everybody should read your book. But what we, what we, talked about, Alec, was two things that you mentioned. One was service. Two was experience. Tech is beating on both of those. You, you had it here, but tech has now neutralized those two things. So if you say, no, I got experience. Well, you're in the business 15 years. Is it 15 years or one year, 15 times? You know, I'm, I'm great for service. Guess what? You cannot be better than this thing, okay? Because this thing is going to do it faster and cheaper and more accurately than any of us can. So what we need to be able to do is win on one area that FinTech can't, and that is wisdom. Because in 2020, wisdom is still a very valuable commodity and people will pay for that. But you can't give what you don't have. You have to put in the time, the effort, the investment to gain the wisdom so that you now can give that and win transactions way into the future and be a resource that people will want to pay for. The idea is not to be always available. The idea is to be always worth waiting for. You know, have you heard that old joke, Barry, where the plumber comes in and, and looks at somebody's plumbing in this big commercial facility and they go over and they bang a pipe and everything starts working and they give them a $10,000 invoice. Yeah. And they go, I need this itemized because I just saw you bang a pipe. And the punchline is, you know, 
$1 banging the pipe, $9,999, knowing where to bang the pipe. Like to your point, like that's what people are paying for. I love asking what mortgage professionals, like, what are you doing to earn your commission? And I don't mean get someone to call you and get a lead. That's like part one. But what are you doing to do the rest of it? What's somebody willing to pay for? And to your point, you got to earn it, right? With your wisdom, with your knowledge, you got to spend the time and you'll, you'll, earn the, you'll earn the seat at the table. FinTech wants to turn a mortgage process into a commodity, but it is not like buying a flat screen TV. Every, there, there are no two of the same mortgages, and here's why. They mo may both be $300,000 loan, 30-year fixed, 3%. Those are not two identical mortgages because it's not the mortgage being issued. It's the mortgage being received. Yeah. So it's, the, it's from the borrower's perspective, and no two borrowers have the same needs. No two borrowers are alike. So the way the borrower responds to it or uses that money, what do they do with it? Are they doing things to consolidate debt? Are they taking out more of a mortgage and doing something with the money that can generate arbitrage and a greater percentage or a greater gain? What are the things that that borrower is doing with the money and the way they're structuring it? And by the way, never do one loan at a time. Always do two at a time. The loan today how it fits in the puzzle with the next loan you plan to do. And the only way you know that is by understanding the personal finances of the individual along with what the market conditions are anticipated to give you. Look, Alec, last year, and, and really the end of 2018 through all of 2019, yeah. we saw this drop in rates coming. And the originators who took that and looked two mortgages together said, hey, the mortgage I'm going to do for you today is not going to be out there for a long time because the mortgage tomorrow will refinance. Therefore, no upfront MI, no points. I want to take a higher rate, not a lower rate, and try and incorporate closing costs because while it may take five years to break even, this loan's only going to be out there for a year and a half. And that was a great strategy. That's what builds a business, a reputation, and a life as a leader and a light in the mortgage industry. So I want to go back because I got too excited and we went too fast. <laughs> I want to go back and, and have you go again, share with everybody, what is the program like? You know, the code's below, the website's below. Um, it's eight hours. There's some Go back through it again real quick. Let everyone hear it and, and really understand what they'd be signing up for. So when you graduate, you get great collateral material. We'll help you market it. There's all kinds of library stuff. So you're going to be able to shine and show this. And being a certified mortgage advisor, it's eight hours of curriculum. In addition to that, along the way, there will be pop quizzes. Then there will be tests along the way. You have to pass the test. So we really help you. There's a great workbook. There's a great welcome kit. The content's all online. It's all self-paced. There's 20-minute to 30-minute modules, so you don't have to stress over it. It really is designed to go as you want to go and to help make sure that you are understanding all of these concepts because there's a lot of them. Now, people are going through it because they can't stop. They're binging on it. But what they're also saying is that I'm going to review this every day because it comes into play every day where I'm coming up against an obstacle or I'm seeing a report, and I really want to understand it, so I'm just going to play that one five-minute piece or four-minute piece and that's how you gain deep understanding. What I always tell people is don't memorize, own. Don't learn something and memorize it and parrot it back. No, no, no. Internalize it and own it. And then you don't have to memorize it because it belongs to you and you understand it and you teach it. And the best way to learn truly is by teaching. And Barry, this is going to differentiate the winners from the people who need to maybe take a different role within the industry. You know, yeah. if you're going to be a real advisor, that's going to, this is going to differentiate you and it's going to cost you, you know, your energy and time to learn. Um, but you know, when, when in our business, have we not always been pushing ourselves forward? Like the, you can see the best originators in the industry. They're always constantly learning, striving, playing, 
failing, figuring it out. And I mean, John I, I, say, I say, thank God that you have to put effort, time and energy and investment into it, because otherwise, if it was free, everybody would have it. How do, otherwise would you gain advantage? The right. old saying, to your point, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Top producers who potentially have the least amount of time yeah. always take on more because that's there's a reason they're a top producer is because they adapt, they learn, and they never stop learning. They never stop pushing themselves to be better, and that takes more effort. Don't make excuses. Just be better. That's it. Just be better. No excuse. Be better. I mean, well, I think we're done. Like <laughs> that's all. Everyone needs to hear that again and again. And I know we get stuck in our grooves. I know we get stuck in our in our space. And 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 I know loans are falling from the sky. So we all have excuses. We're we're busy. We're tired. My underwriter said they would get it done, and they didn't get it done. And so we're feeling all that stress and stuff. But the winners are the ones, in my opinion, that are able to hold two things in their hands at once: hold the stress of today and continue to master the skills of tomorrow. You, you said it beautifully. And, you know, see the future before it becomes obvious. Okay. Think about this right now. Don't believe your own press clippings. Yes, you're great, but you've got a big headwind. Okay. I mean, really. All right. That's just for a second. Okay. Let's be real. Look, I, I did a lot of loans in my career. Some people are doing some incredible numbers today, but listen, when I was originator, the median home price was like barely over a hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, I, I managed to do big volume of loans, but one thing I remained was grounded in knowing the periods that I had a big refi tailwind because rates were low. I wasn't as great as my numbers were indicating. Okay, I was doing a good job. But you know what? What I always knew was that I had to plan for tomorrow, both saving my money. And you should be saving the money you're making today if you're listening, please. And number two, you need to be in, in like what every great CEO does. Enjoy today. Maximize today but do not take your eye off the future. Make sure that you're looking down the road at what will this market look like when we do get a respite from the intense refinances? What are you doing today to plan for tomorrow so that while everybody else is scrambling and everybody else is bitching, you're continuing to win and grow. You do that now, you don't do this later and try and figure out when it's already past time, okay? Alec, I wanna just say one thing, it's in the book. It's one of the things I learned uh, while taking driving lessons, you know, I, I like to, I like to drive on the track and well, I like instructional driving too, because you just learn a lot. And uh, I, I've, I've done stuff like that. I learned how to fly, learn how to you know, drive on the track. So when I, when I get good instruction, I really try and take it to heart, both in application, but philosophically too. It's a great exercise and everybody should do this. I don't have a bottle of water here, but imagine you have a bottle of water. I want you to be outside maybe on the sidewalk somewhere in your neighborhood, I want you to take the bottle of water, put it about 20 feet down in front of you and step back and I want you to look at that bottle of water. And then I want you to ask yourself, can I read the sign that's down the road? The answer is gonna be no, you can't see it because you're looking at the bottle of water. Look at the sign down the road and I bet you still see the bottle of water. And the driving instruction is this, 99.9% .9 of drivers, catch yourself because you probably fall into this category. When you're driving, where are you looking? Everybody looks at the car in front of them. That's the way we're taught to drive. That's the way people drive. That's Watch yourself, you will naturally do that. Yeah, But that's actually the wrong way to drive. Look down the road, and not only will you still see the car in front of you, but you'll see everything happen. You will be a much safer driver, a much better driver, and you'll still have control. If you do that while you're driving, it will make you a much better driver. But if you do it in life, it'll bring you so much more success. 
Dude, I love that. I got I got really lucky as you were telling your story. Um, it took me back to 2003 when I started in this business. And in 2003, Barry, it was a big year in mortgages, if you remember. In fact, I think I just saw on the on uh, a blog this morning that like it was it we might get close to that number this year in total in total volume originate fundings, but like 2003 was a banger. And I got lucky because I got stuck with a mentor who just said, "Look, Alec, I want you to go every day and come back with eight business cards from realtors, and that's that's all I want. And then after that, you can do whatever you, you do, call, call whoever you want, do whatever loans you want." And this was time when buddies, when people were dropping out of college to go into call centers. People were dropping out of, you know, call, they saw people with Lamborghinis and, and they're like, we're, we're going to the mortgage. And I just, I got lucky because someone told me to do this. And I look back and I go, um, I got so lucky because when the refinances shifted or pivoted and they weren't that kind of volume anymore, I had spent like three years building tremendous relationships with agents that no one else had, had spent the time doing. And the translation to today is the same thing's going to happen. It's going to look different. The skill sets are different and not necessarily going out every single day to find agents, but it's things like investing in your knowledge, investing in your insight, investing in your digital brand and your presence, you know, invest in, investing in your digital community, all those things that if you're not focused on today, you'll be left when the water runs out. And uh, it's just so evident to me. Who doesn't want to be better, really? And if you're, for yourself from the consumer's perspective, do you yeah. want to really deal with a doctor, an attorney? anyone who's in a position that's going to be important to you. And certainly a mortgage advisor is critically important because you're handling the largest both purchase in the real estate market, as well as the way that the debt is considered to be most times the largest debt that people take on. Wouldn't you want that person to be making, to be in a position of making themselves better? I wouldn't want to go to a doctor who said, ah, I got my license. I'm not going to learn another thing. Ah, that doesn't sound good to me. I want to go to someone who's constantly on the cutting edge and constantly getting better. And I think a consumer would always want to see that in a mortgage professional. And when you shine and you talk to them in a way that shows that, they will be very forgiving on things, even if your rate's not the best. Well, I mean, you, this goes back to the original comment. There is a movement in the industry from whoever you want to label them, FinTech, whatever, whatever you want to call them, who is desperately trying to commoditize the, the mortgage experience. And they're 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 doing it through advertising, through global advertising, and they're saying, I mean, I, I remember at the Digital Mortgage Conference in 2018 in Las Vegas, there was a keynote by the number one, you know, the the CEO of the number one mortgage company, and he literally said, the future of the mortgage professional is virtual or chatbot and AI. And and that that's where I I just go, you're wrong. But he's not wrong if we're not pushing ourselves forward to be in a position to combat that narrative. Look at stockbrokers. There used to be stockbrokers everywhere, and now they even changed their name. They're now financial advisors, so they changed the name. They've been literally decimated because there's only one where there used to be 10, but those people that are remaining that are truly advisors, they're making a lot of money and building huge customer databases, but they're earning it because they're truly providing advice. Yeah. Man, what a great like you know image to, to focus on as we look at our own business, our own industry. It's clearly going down that same path, and you know you're 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 the you're one of the people offering up you know a torch in the darkness, being like, here's some opportunity here, and I love this because you know Sean put this comment in here, and I got I had another guy the other day interview me and say, how do I get trained to be a mortgage professional? Where is there a class? Is you know can I go to school? And and now there is one, Barry. So thank you. Now we have now the industry has one. Well, you know, all the ones that exist, you know, the MBAs, one that really doesn't apply for a loan originator. And and the beginner trainings, yeah, well, they'll teach you how to qualify somebody. That's all good stuff. And we need that stuff. 
mm-hmm. or how to get lead. It's a different type to get financial knowledge and elevating yourself from you know, everything else is entry level basics, how to do this. This is how to master it. And yeah. that's what you want to be able to do. Well, Barry, so um, love this conversation, man. First of all, thank you for bringing the knowledge down from like what's happening today. Um, thank you for sharing and putting all putting yourself into a program that that people can take advantage of and that can that can elevate their game, man. I, I love that. That's so it's awesome. Um, what do you want to share with everybody here as we wrap down? What should they be focusing on? We kind of we touched on a ton today. Um, what message would you like to deliver as we kind of wrap up? Uh, I think that people should be grateful. That's that's the number one message. I think you should just be grateful because. Um, the problems that I hear from people in the mortgage industry, in my opinion, true, they provide stress, but they are high class problems. And when you think about what else is out there and the alternatives that are out there, uh, Alec, I think that people would be begging to have the problems that most of us have. So start with being grateful. And I think that the rest will fall into place. Very, I'm grateful for you, man. Thank you very much. You too, brother. Thank you, man. God bless you. If this brought you value, share it, like it, share it with your friends, colleagues. If you're a leader, share it with your team, because this is the kind of information we need to do to continue to move ourselves forward. Barry, thanks for hanging out with me today, brother. I'll see you. Appreciate you, brother. Internet, guys. 